0: Tinder and Steinberg in the afternoon. Brought to you by Glenmore Audi, Sportsnet nine sixty the Fan.
1: I don't know the degree of the injury yet, so but obviously it's uh you're concerned when you when he didn't come back to the game, so uh
2: but hopefully it's not
1: as bad, um as may as we all may think.
2: He's our best defenseman, you know. Probably our hardest worker and one of our best if not best player each other night so um, yeah it's definitely a big hole but guys are not this room we're capable of, of filling that just by committee you can't not one person can do what he does so we got to do it by committee it's obviously
0: the leader of our team and a real important player for us guy goes down like that I and mean, guys got to step up obviously fill, fill a role and we're playing for each other here and I mean we got to take care of each other
2: for Gio to stay down uh, yeah. needed to be uh, something pretty pretty tough and and it looks like he was a lot of pain so find out a little bit more i'd like to give you more Lou,
1: but i i know that uh, he's not going to be back on the ice uh, tomorrow uh, for sure but because uh, he is in a lot of pain
3: everyone is holding their breath when it comes to the status of captain mark giordano in order last night you heard from michael backland Matthew Kuchuk, Sean Monahan, and assistant coach Marty Jelena. No update on the status of the captain other than lower body injury. He's getting an MRI right now, and that's all we know. But I'll tell you this much. The concern level is high. Everyone you talk to right now, anyone that you have any type of casual conversation with, there does not seem to be a whole lot of feel that this is just going to be something that is short-term and the captain will be back tomorrow. It was a freak accident that happened late in the second period of last night's 3-1 loss to the San Jose Sharks. And what we are thinking is a hamstring right now, but are not uh, confirmed on that. It just it looked bad, and everybody started reacting as if it was bad last night. Like, when you see a guy go down the tunnel... And that player stays down there and comes back out you like you know you don 't usually see a general manager follow a player down the down the tunnel you don 't see uh, usually a doctor 's follow the player down the tunnel that 's what we saw last night after Mark Giordano could not put any weight on the leg after the freak accident. he tried to go out and test it during the commercial break, shook his head, went right off, and did not return and The concern level is high right now and When you're getting an MRI done, you know that there's something wrong. Now we just need to figure out what the severity of that something wrong is. Are we talking about season-ending severity, or are we talking about a few weeks? And that's what we don't know. That's what nobody knows. Again, uh, Jeff Ward just finished talking and said MRI today. Uh, They'll know more later. So I would imagine the Flames will send out an email or a tweet or both uh, as soon as they get the results in as to what happened. But this is a uh, this is a concerning concerning situation, and this is something that uh, a lot of people are holding their breath on. So, Mister Klein, as we open up the program, as bad as the three one loss was for the Flames to the San Jose Sharks last night, it sure does feel like it could be a whole lot worse with the potential loss of Captain Mark Giordano.
4: Yeah, th- that loss just on its own, if you just look at the schedule, is a bad, bad loss. And then when you take into account the potential loss of a captain for an extended period of time, it does kind of have the makings of a loss that's going to be very difficult to come back from. And a lot of times you get a, a pretty good, and I don't want to speculate, um, but you do get a pretty good sense right away of how things are going to go. Sometimes it end up works uh, working out and it's not as bad as people fear, but you do have a general idea right away of this is going to be just, a, oh, he'll be back in a couple days or this could be out for a while. And the, the somber mood of everyone last night leads one to believe it's not going to be a positive update whenever we get one on Mark Giordano. And that would be that would be rough to come back from as someone who was logging a ton of minutes in all different types of situations. And then uh, you tweeted out there the combinations today, Pat, don't look great. Um, You can try to fill that hole, and Lou mentioned it in Hockey Central at noon. They had to do this before and still won a playoff series without Mark Giordano a few years ago with a team that was substantially less talented than the team they have now. But this is a, or potentially could be, a massive hole to fill for a team that really couldn't afford to need, or couldn't afford to do that anyway. They were already looking for another defenseman
3: potentially. So now... Yeah, this is. Well, the question becomes that let's, you know, Mark Giordano out three weeks, Mark Giordano, Giordano out a week, Mark Giordano down for the season. The question becomes without the captain, who becomes the number one left side defenseman on this team? And I don't like, to me, there's only one answer, and it's a guy who prefers playing the right side. Like, to me, TJ Brody has to become the number one left shot defenseman on the team because. I, I'm not comfortable with Noah in the way things are going right now playing those minutes and I think that you have to look towards Brody and, and Hamanick is kind of the top pairing all of a sudden and moving Oof. Brody from the right to the left is is not something that he's super comfortable with but he has been a pretty solid defenseman for the last number of months I've got very few issues with the way TJ Brody's playing right now he's he's playing some of his best hockey in years over the last number of months so for me if Giordano's out for any period of time, weeks, months, season, whatever we're talking about here, that f- internally has w- would be the way I would be looking in terms of who becomes your top pairing left side defenseman.
4: I, I think you have to, because of the play of Noah Hannafin recently, uh, you're not going to put Shillington in that spot, so almost by default, TJ Brody goes into that, and I- I'm-, I'm with you, I-, I haven't had much of a problem with how he's played lately, I had a big problem with how he was playing um, at the the start of the season, but I think he's been fine the last couple months. And Hannafin seems to have—I don't know if he's hit a wall or what's going on—but it's it's been a pretty big dip in in his play for the last little bit. And so, yeah, it, it has to be T.J. Brody stepping up. And now we're going to see consistent minutes for Rasmus Anderson in a top pairing role and see how he adjusts to that. It's it takes away a safety net for for a lot of people. It takes away the, okay, well, Brody likes to play on his offside, so we'll play him there. And Rasmus Anderson, we can play him in tough situations, but we don't have to. Now there's a lot of you have to. You have to play Rasmus Anderson in key situations. You kind of have to play Michael Stone every night and Oliver Shillington every night. And you have to play TJ Brody as your top side or your top pair left side defenseman. It's it's a pretty big domino to fall for the, the Calgary Flames. And quite frankly, one that I'm not certain they're capable of coming back from
3: it's been an absolutely horrible season for bad luck for the Calgary flames and this is the first one that has really been injury related for them because they've actually been fairly healthy in that regard but think about it yuso valamaki was the first bad news Item that happened in August. Then he had the TJ Brody instant at pra- instance in practice, and and luckily that is fine. And there's there's nothing that has. Th- that was a, a one-time thing he missed the missed a couple of games and now he's been back and he's been playing really well so luckily that has not had any long-term effects but that was scary that was rattling then you had the Bill Peters fiasco you had the horrible news about Chris Snow that we found out about and and you know it's actually turned into really uplifting nose uh news uplifting news about the assistant general manager and and how positive his progression and his fight is going right now. But still that's been something that has been weighing on the team this year. And now this, now the loss of like if you were to if you were to come up with a a tally, if you were to go through and say, okay, what are the who are the players the flames can least afford to lose? Give me three of them. I think Jordano would be on every single one of those lists, despite the fact that his offensive numbers are down. He's still the best defenseman on the team. Yep. He still plays the most important minutes on the team. He still plays the most minutes on the team. Yeah, he may not be on pace for a point per game this year like he was last year or anything close to it, but doesn't mean that he's not the most important player on that blue line uh and to lose him. I I'm I'm with you. I know that they were able to make up for it 5 years ago, but that's 5 years ago. That was a different circumstance, that was a different season. And I I'm with you. Like that's a that's a really difficult thing to ask this team to make up for um, especially at this point of the year
4: mm-hmm. now we have seen teams rally around things like this like St. Louis is playing just fine without Vlad Tarasenko the Pittsburgh Penguins played incredibly without Sidney Crosby there have been teams for sure that have been able to to rally around these things but this was not necessarily a year for the Flames that was going well and last night's loss was just putrid and we can get into that a little bit later but This was not a team that could afford one more knock anyway. And this is about as big of a knock as you can take to this team. For one that has been clamoring for someone to step up and for someone to... We hear Jeff Ward talk about being sick of losing. Jordano was that guy. And I'm not saying the others aren't, but he was leading the way in a lot of those things. And to have that not around anymore is going to be... Again, potentially. We don't know the severity of it. But hypothetically, it ain't looking good. And that would be... Uh, again, I don't think it's a blow the Flames to be able to come back from, personally.
3: Well, we don't know what the situation is right now. We wait, and Flames fans hold their breath when it comes to the status of Mark Giordano. No update. All we know, is he's getting an MRI right now. And as soon as the Flames give us an update, we will pass that update along to you right now. Uh, here's what's going on on the text line at nine six zero nine six zero. 960 960 Uh, If they can't win because you lose one player, they're not going to go far anyway. They are who they are. Um, This in response to you, Kleiner. To be fair, it's easier for a team like the Penguins to play well without Sidney Crosby when you still have another top five player in the world on your team, Uh, obviously in reference to Evgeny Malkin. Who was also Um, out
4: for a stretch there.
3: Just yes. Crosby was in when Malkin was out. Mm-hmm. Malkin was in when Crosby was out. Uh, I think Brody Anderson has to be your number one pairing with and Hannifin is number two. And after that, yikes, if this season hadn't already spiraled out of control, I think this geo-injury might finally be the death blow. If I'm Brad Treloving, I just ride this out. There's no point giving up assets at this point unless it's a hockey deal for players who will be part of the long term. That's the next interesting question, Kleiner, is... Okay, let's for the sake of this conversation. This is a long-term injury. What do the Flames do? Do you go with what you got? Do you continue your plan at the trade deadline to try and add? Do you use the cap space that Jordana would give you on LTIR to try and go find a replacement? Like, what's what's the best? I don't think that's the best way to go about it, but I'm also not the owner of this team. I'm not the I'm not the owner saying there's playoff revenue potentially on the line here, so uh, I I I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go out and try to you know still add and and look at this like a group that's going to be able to go on a run. But I don't I don't write those checks. I don't make those decisions. What mm-hmm. what would you do? It's a tough spot. I, I
4: probably would just stamp at and just kind of have a, a bit of a hope for, at least a bit of a come to Jesus meeting with some of the other top players on this team, um, looking at a, a few in particular, uh, potentially one who's making the exact same amount of money as Mark Jordan and be like, okay, look, he's gone, not coming back, potentially. One of you has to step up now because this season, regardless of whether Gio was there or not, has not gone the way that we thought it was going to, in any way, shape, or form. So someone, aside from the captain, is going to have to step up and drag this team. That With Gio, they weren't a Kyle Palmieri away from being a contender without him. Or a him, Tyler
3: Tafoli away or whatever.
4: Exactly. One of those players. They weren't a rental away from really being able to make a big splash. And without him, it ain't close. So I, I think you do have to, to kind of stamp pat. I I worry about what the offseason would look like, and I worry about some excuse-making, oh, well, they lost Jordano. how could they have possibly? And it was such a weird season when, realistically, you have seen top players consistently not stepping up. I don't want this to be an excuse that is just blanketed over the, the, firf, uh, the first 50 games in hindsight. So I, I think you do have to kind of stand pat for the Flames. That first-round pick probably becomes untouchable at this point if you can make a couple tinkering moves that maybe help you out, then I, I don't mind it. But you certainly can't be giving up long-term pieces now, I don't think.
3: Yeah, I. again, we have to wait to see what the news is going to be on Mark Giordano. But I certainly wouldn't be looking to I, – I wouldn't be putting – if if this guy's out long-term, I wouldn't be putting myself in the conversation of – hey, we can make a run, we can be a contender. I'm not saying that I would start selling everything off and going into a straight-up rebuild. I just wouldn't go and be aggressive as a buyer at the trade deadline. Right. I'd kind of... See how this season goes Ride it out with what you've got And and then see where the chips may fall And make some decisions in the offseason That's the way I would look at it yeah. But again, until we know what the scenario Is going to be with Giordano It's all very much speculative So that's kind of where it lies right now Welcome to Pinder and Steinberg On this Wednesday afternoon From the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. It's Pat Steinberg and Peter Klein along with you uh, There was also a game last night Let's uh, bring you back It is time for the game in a minute. Game in a minute. Brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. Warm up with these hot deals. Save up to fifteen thousand dollars on a cash purchase of the 2019 QX80, and save up to twelve thousand on a cash purchase of the 2019
0: Q60. Good evening, hockey fans, and welcome inside Scotiabank Saddledome in Calgary for a Pacific Division battle between Matthew Kachuk and the 27-20-6 Calgary Flames and Evander Kane and the 22-27-4 San Jose Sharks. Block is now going to come free in the flame zone. Riddick comes out and steals it from Carlson, who would have had a wide open net. Here's Kachuk centering. Jordano shoots. Good right back kick save by Dell. Here the flames into the shark zone again. Gaudreau in front. Now Gaudreau gets it back and scores. A beautiful given goal. Lindholm finds Gaudreau and he buries it. Here comes Jumbo Joe back in. Thornton to Burns with a blast scores. Joe Thornton picking up the 1,499 points of his NHL career. Setting up Brent Burns for a one-timer that beats David Riddick on the Flames' net. Here's a good to run in front. Kane shoots and scores! A Vander Kane with a wicked one-timer, and he puts the puck right into the top quarter of the Flames' net. Meyer drops to LeBanc. He walks to the middle. LeBanc, a backhand, scores! Kevin LeBanc with a perfectly placed backhand shot right into the top quarter of the Flames' net. The Sharks have scored three unanswered, and they've got a 3-1 to lead. The Sharks score three unanswered. They win the game. The Flames lose it. And they lose their captain, Mark Giordano, to a lower
3: body injury. Tough night for the home team as the visiting Sharks will leave with a 3-1 to win. We kind of telegraphed that one yesterday, Kleiner. We talked about it. Is is this a spot for a letdown for the Calgary Flames? We were worried they were not going to be where they needed to be. and they really weren't where they needed to be good first period no. i had no problem with that first period uh, they had a one nothing lead 59 seconds into the second period but as soon as brent burns tied that game it seemed like all game plan went out the window and then after 40 minutes of play down by one like that's that's an unacceptable third period four shots on net yeah how do you how, like look i know that their season isn't technically on the line but you've got You've got a one-goal deficit. You're coming off a really bad loss to the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday, and you go out with that type of third period with no urgency and four shots on net, and I credit the San Jose Sharks. They played well. The Sharks were able to do a nice job on the road of, of really grinding things down, but I don't know. I didn't see a lot of desperation. I didn't see a lot of push in that third period. No. That was that was a tough game to watch last night. Well, you didn't see it because it wasn't
4: there, and that that is it's inexcusable really i said yesterday that we kind of telegraphed what this game was going to be that being said i wasn't going to give any benefit of the doubt or any excuses that that's a loss you cannot have and no, I, had, I don't have any excuses. Oh, no, 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 I'm, not saying, just... I'm not saying you do i'm I, i'm now just ranting uh <laughs> but yeah, with, rant for me with this don't know why you said it that way um with that team i get like first period bunch of shots awesome it it just, it never really felt like there was a ton of desperation. It never really felt like they made life all that difficult on Aaron aside from they made him stop the puck a bunch. that There wasn't a lot of traffic in front of him. He didn't have to work his way through much. It was, it just felt like a lot from the outside. It just felt like when the second, second period comes around, it's okay. Well, it's going to figure itself out. And hey, look at that. We scored a goal. This is fine. Oh, now they scored a goal. Ah, someone will step up. It just really really feels like everyone is looking for someone else to step up and you can't be doing that we heard it a lot going into the game we heard it a lot coming out of the game that this kind of feels like the playoffs already and this is a playoff chase and these games matter and unfortunately what that is showing is that last year's postseason wasn't just a one-off because if this is how they're producing in their quote-unquote playoffs with seasons on the line and stuff like that then this season isn't going to end any differently than last season did. It, it, that was just abysmal last night from the Calgary Flames. It's not a loss you can afford to have at this time. I don't care who you played the last game. I don't care where you're at in the standings or who lost to who. That is not a loss and not an effort you can have. If they came out and just played like gangbusters and Aaron Dell made 45 saves and an unbelievable third period powers the San Jose Sharks to victory, then fine. Stuff happens. It's the NHL. The other team gets paid to try, too. That's not what happened last night. That was a Flames team that threw a bunch of pucks on net. Most of them got stopped, and they didn't really do a whole lot else to change how that game was going.
3: Yeah, I liked them in the first, and then it kind of dropped off from there. And all of a sudden, it sets up a really interesting game tomorrow because the Nashville Predators coming off an overtime win over the Winnipeg Jets last night. They're the team that is closest to the Flames and a team that is very much in the conversation for ousting them from a playoff spot. The Flames are eighth in the Western Conference right now by points. They sit in the final wild card spot. They're three up on the Nashville Predators with two games more played. Like that's all of a sudden a massive game tomorrow night with the Predators in your barn. And a win by Nashville in regulation, then it's a one-point deficit with still two games in hand. Like, if the Flames don't figure it out here pretty quick, they've now lost four of their last five and five of their last seven. That was a good month of January, you take a look at the record, but the end of January into February has not been so good. And there's still plenty of time remaining. I'm not trying to sit here and say the season is lost, but, you know, if, if they're going to... If they're going to do what good teams do, and that is play their best and play at their peak at the most important time of the year, and and really start to get into a groove in February and March, well, it's it's time to start doing that because mm-hmm. you know we're we're less than three weeks from the trade deadline now. So sorry, we are uh, yeah, less than three weeks from the trade deadline. My math's not very good. So less than three weeks from the trade deadline. Um, what like what type of decisions are going to be made between now and then that's that's something they need to figure out and this team needs to figure out the way they're playing before the trade deadline if they're going to give the general manager any confidence that going out and adding and supplementing is the way to go about it let alone the Giordano injury They need to start playing a whole lot better if they're going to do that.
4: We've been saying it for a while, and we said going into the stretch that this was the time to really show your general manager and the fan base that this was a team worth investing in because we've seen it a few times but not nearly enough uh, to, to lead you to believe that this was a team that had a chance to really turn that corner and be one of the teams that separates itself from the gigantic middle of the pack in the NHL. And the look you look at the teams that they're around right now. Arizona hasn't had their starting goalie for a couple months, and then the backup gets hurt. Nashville, it's been really up and down. The Blackhawks, we talk about a, a team that's kind of over the hill, and they're, they're trying to make some stuff work. The Winnipeg Jets had one of their top defensemen all season, just not there, but it was still tying up their cap space. Now they have money to play around with. These are the teams that you're hanging out with. It hasn't been smooth sailing for them either. I get the geo-injury absolutely sucks. And could it have played into the third period? Maybe, but we've seen periods like that one before, so I'm not letting them off the hook for that one. You're in a spot now with teams who have had to deal with some adversity, and while it's been a weird one, now you got to deal with some stuff yourself and really make a push here. If you don't, I see no reason why Brad True Living needs to go out and make a move to try to make this team go from losing in four games to losing in five games in the first round.
3: Interesting fascinating next three weeks or so for the Calgary Flames it really is and and look when we find out more about the captain that that gives the team a little bit more of an idea like if if they if the word ends up being this is not something major and it's two to four weeks or something like that okay well then maybe you can withstand that and, and it's a different conversation if this is he's done for the season, while then I think that that also plays into the way the GM goes about his trade deadline. In a way, Fascinating yeah. next 24 hours, fascinating next three, three weeks or so uh, in terms of what the team does on the ice. It's a really interesting time for this Calgary Flames team, and as, as we've talked about how many times, like what what this offseason might look like depending on how things go this season, this is going to be one of the more fascinating stretches for this organization in quite some time, just yeah. because of, of where they sit kind of in their, uh, in their cycle right now.
4: Mm-hmm. And based on how last season went and then how it ended, this was always going to be kind of a fork in the road season, and now you've reached that point in this season. And even if the Geo thing was, yeah, he tweaked it, he's going to be back next game. I still hadn't seen enough to really know what this team was going to be. We were chatting in our our group chat last night about what is this team, and and we don't really have a great feel. If Geo comes out of that game completely fine and just, yeah, just kind of tweak something, I'll, I'll be back. I still don't have the confidence that you're going out and adding a big piece and making a run at this because of how bad that loss was and because of how inconsistent this team has been and the number of bad
3: losses they've had before. Yep. Well... We've got a lot to talk about as the Flames get set for a crucial game, most important game of the year tomorrow against the Nashville Predators 7 o'clock face-off right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's a 6 o'clock Calgary Flames warm-up between 6 and 7 o'clock. I'll bring you another iconic moment. I will bring you a moment from the past, ask you a trivia question about it, and if you get that trivia question correct and do the first one through at 960-960 you'll be entered into our grand prize draw, which is a trip to the NHL Awards in Las Vegas, which includes airfare and accommodation for two six hundred spending cash. The Iconic Moment tomorrow night between 6 and 7 o'clock is brought to you by Iconic Electric and Controls. Promoting a culture of quality since 2008. Visit iconicec.ca This is Pinder and Steinberg underway on a Wednesday. Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: Calgary guys talking Calgary sports. Pinder and Steinberg are only, only. on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Brought to you by Glenmore Audi.
3: Welcome back to the Bank Saddledome where tomorrow it is Flames and Predators, Friday it is Raiders and Hitmen, and then on Saturday from ice to turf as the Calgary Roughnecks return home to take on the... New York Riptide. That is a 7:30 face-off at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Let's welcome in our good buddy Jeff Snyder, who joins us on the program. It's time for your weekly Roughnecks Spotlight. Hello, Mr. Snyder.
1: That's a lot of chicken fingers, nachos, and popcorn at the Dome this week.
3: Yeah, you, you'll be you'll be taking part in all that. I don't week, eat
1: right? that stuff. You guys crazy?
3: You're, Come on. Not a typical you know nachos for lunch, chicken fingers for dinner. That's not how you go about your business.
1: I'm on a I'm on a steady regimen right now. I'm keeping things tight so no
3: you're doing like you're on like a you're intermittent fasting you're you're doing like you are hardcore on this stuff right now right
1: yeah man it's been good I uh you know the intermittent fasting I, I read a lot about it and and uh it's awesome I um you know it's uh it's been great I've dropped uh god I think I'm down like 15 pounds sure. in the last little while so I'm under 210 for the first time in a long time so feeling pretty good and uh yeah making a comeback maybe no I'm not I'm just kidding
3: well, I mean, you've done it you've done it like thirty times, so it wouldn't be wouldn't be surprising if you were. I don't,
1: God, I doubt I'd get a callback if I picked up the phone and called somebody right now. I mean, so. you just
3: played, you just played in the worlds after not playing for a season, so it's not like it would be crazy.
1: I don't think I could pass and catch anymore. I haven't touched a lacrosse stick in quite some time, so I'd uh, I'd have to go out and. Could you and sign just up for,
3: do? Could you just do face offs? and then run off the field immediately? Oh,
1: well, isn't that what I did anyway? Kind of. Yeah. yeah, no, I'd have to go get some individual lessons with Bobby. How embarrassing would that be? <laughs> when, <you're, laughs> when your brother's <laughs> teaching at a place... <laughs> Of course, Jeff Snyder,
3: uh, one of the best, if not the best ever, to come from Calgary at the sport, and also with Elevate Lacrosse. What's kicking at Elevate right now?
1: Rocking, man! We're right in our winter training program. We just stepped into a, a new cycle. It's pretty cool. We, um, uh, it's a high-level training program. Guys like Dan Taylor, um, Marshall King's going to come out. Um, we got Linden uh Bobby. Yeah, both, both those guys are with Vancouver. So we've got this uh, this awesome crew of uh, of pro coaches that are out. Um, working with kids and and we just you know uh, moved into a different cycle of the program um, this past week so it's a four-month training program the training program's longer than the box lacrosse season which is really cool so it's all about development and all about skill sets and and then we've got these awesome coaches that are out working with the kids and passing on their knowledge it's fantastic and then we got spring camp coming up um, spring break which is great and then man we're in classrooms all the time and we've got a scoop program coming up scoop is another brand that we've kind of put out there that's um it's all about for people who just want to try it to come and get you know some skills and see if you like the sport rather than having to totally commit to it so we've got that going on as well and and it's it's just an exciting time for lacrosse in the city the roughnecks are killing it with you know the the way that they're building and growing the game it's fantastic and then you know we're super excited to to be involved um you know helping the associations. Um, and, and the kids uh, you know, get involved and get developed and, and develop some confidence and some skill sets and, and be able to fall in love with the sport.
3: Okay, it is our Calgary Roughnecks Spotlight every Wednesday at 1.30. My name is Pat Steinberg. His name is Jeff Snyder. The Roughnecks 2-4 on the year. They host the New York Riptide Saturday, 7.30, right here at the Scotiabank Saddledome, looking for their first home win. Uh, it is time to welcome in our featured guest on our Roughnecks Spotlight, a gentleman that you know very well. Let's welcome in Roughnecks forward Reese Dutch to the program. Reese, you're on with Pat and Jeff Snyder, how uh, how we doing today, Reese?
2: I'm not doing too bad. How's it going, gents?
3: Good, doing well. This is uh, excited to talk to you about your dog that he uh, always forgets his name.
2: It's Clark. <laughs> He's a great dog. Good Clark. Well, he, he knows his name. He just likes to poke my buttons a bit. <laughs> <laughs>
3: How uh, how how are you feeling? I know that uh, it's it's only been a couple of games back after a long rehab and a long recovery, but uh, how are you feeling after a lower body injury being back on the floor?
2: Uh, you know what? I mean, it's just kind of a matter of getting your feet. I mean, <laughs> pun fully intended, back under you. Um, I hadn't really been on the, in the on the game end of things in, in almost seven seven months when I got out there in Rochester, so getting used to that, and then you know. It was, improvement by game too so it's still a work in progress but I mean you know it's a sport, sport I love to play so I'm just more than happy to be back out there
1: I gotta tell you I was I was, uh, I had the pleasure of hanging out with Reese in, uh, in the box. What game was that Reese um, that we were hanging out? It was uh I can't remember which one it was, but we were in the uh, the owner's suite. They they took care of a lot of the guys when they brought. It, it was the first home game, first okay. home game here. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, if it was any indication of 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 how uh, passionate you are to get back on the floor, I could I could barely hang out with him. He was pacing and freaking out, and he'd grab a nacho and then he'd get back to yelling at the referees. And it was uh, it, it was about time that you got back on the floor, ladies, uh, <laughs> it, it seemed like you had bottled up a lot there.
2: Yeah, man, I mean, you know how it is. its is. Uh, I'm not ready to transition into uh, the not-playing aspect of things. The You know, I've coached with you in the past, but uh, I'm certainly still a player, a player at heart and a player at mind, so watching the game is uh, not where I want to be. That was very evident the other night, so it's
1: good to have
3: <laughs> you back, man. Well, how you've, you've played in two, you have watched some others. Where are you on the 2 and 4 start to the season for the Roughnecks? What have you observed and and what are your thoughts on the first 6 games?
2: You know, I think uh I mean, frustrated as I'm sure everybody is. Um, you know, those the couple of wins were awesome, some close losses which, you know, doesn't matter if it close the losses by one or by 10 it's still a loss and I think, um, you know, we've been a victim of obviously a, a very uh, a very malleable lineup in a way. Um, not that we're not a deep team, it's just, you know, it's tough for anybody to build momentum together when there's different faces looking across from you almost every single game. So I think, uh, you know, we're close. We're almost there. I think we need to do a better job of making sure that we're, uh, you know, we're 100% effort all the time. Um, Jeff, I know you preach that to your kids, and, and, and Mouse preaches that to us, too, and I think a couple of those losses might have been, you know, a 55-minute effort rather than 60. So I think there's just uh, there's some small things that we can clean up, but a good thing is, is that they're in, under our control, and, and uh, the things that aren't, you know, like injuries and guys out of the lineup, uh, just we got to put that in the wash and, and make sure we control the things we can. I'm seeing a little bit, too,
1: Dusty. like, it, you know, getting Zach hair is out. Um, you had a great game, um, you know, back-to-back games for his first uh A couple of starts and and you guys are you know you're in a unique position that it is early in the season you are two and four but it 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 doesn't seem like you know it's it's sort of an opportunity to develop some depth and and where this is really going to matter is obviously you want to get your wins early but you don't want to coast and i think that when you guys have been most successful it's when you've battled a lot of adversity do you find that um you know having uh, some of the younger guys getting in the lineup you know being able to get some game experience is ultimately going to provide you a lot of depth moving down into the second half of the season
2: yeah, absolutely. I think uh, yeah, it's a great point, Jeff. Um, I mean, like it takes all twenty five, and we learned that last year. And I think, um, I mean, you know, last year was last year, and this year is this year. But we were, you know, we didn't have a winning record at the, you know, about the third of the way, maybe halfway point of last year. We'd lost a few in a row, and and we kind of rallied around that and rallied around some injuries and guys coming back later in the season. And I think that's right. I think it's, I mean, it's a game of momentum, not only in the game but in the season. And, and obviously, we need to pick up some wins to make sure we're in the in the hunt for the playoffs there, but. I think, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great point, man. Like Getting some of these guys in that, that we're going to absolutely have to rely on down the line is, is going to be very, very helpful.
3: The game against Halifax a couple weekends ago, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of been the story of the season, hey? I mean, you had some really good stretches there, and then it was a, a bad quarter, and all of a sudden things went the other way. That, that's been sort of the way this season has gone, really good and then some really not so good.
2: <laughs> yeah i mean it was uh yeah i mean just to go back to the frustrating point point. I mean we still we obviously started hot got out to a great lead uh maybe took some untimely penalties not that there's a good time for so really penalties but uh um you know and uh, just a few like it's just a game of bounces man i think i'm not making excuses but a, a couple of those goals where guys are battling for loose ball to center and it's you know it seems to squeak out their way and they pick it up and get a transition goal or you know or somebody goes down it was just kind of you know, they're a game that was on a hot, stre- a team that was on a hot streak, and you got to be lucky to win. And I think, uh, you know, the bounces went their way a little bit, and you know, we made some mistakes that, I mean, the weekend before in Rochester, we made them, and it might have been out of a little bit of complacency. But I think some of the mistakes we made against Halifax were out of, were out of effort. And I, I mean, I'd like to look at it as positive, but yeah, I mean, a loss is a loss, and we don't want much more of them. You know, Dutchie, with uh with Dobbs
1: being out here, and and uh, you know, his return coming, I think, a game from now. Um, you know, what, uh, if I'm, if I'm any team in the league and and if I'm, you know, if uh, certainly if I'm, if I'm the Calgary Roughnecks right now, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that return, obviously. What do you, what do you anticipate? I know we're a couple of games away, but what do you anticipate out of him, you know, moving into next week, obviously. And then, and then, you know, as, as to be expected in the lineup the following week, um, you know, I think you guys have a bye weekend after this as well. It must be driving him crazy, but do you anticipate, uh, a performance out of him, uh, on his first night back?
2: I do. I mean, the guy's a gamer; always has been. You know, I've played against him my whole life, and and uh, lucky enough to play with him. But um, I, I think what he did, hes bringing such a dynamic to our offense that you know losing him and then you know almost simultaneously losing Jesse King and and just kind of having a a ball carrier in a sense on that side to give our side to give our offense a bit more just of diversity. Really, I think um, not only will that kind of help to carry us as a whole, but his leadership on the bench, and then I mean, obviously the guy knows how to score goals. So I think. You know, those those one-goal losses and, and the ones I, I'd like to think he can more can more than make up for that. So um, I think he's going to help bring us some wins. I think he's going to help bring us some leadership. But, I mean, it's going to be exciting to be a part of it.
3: With Reese Dutch, Calgary Roughnecks forward, who is with us on our Roughnecks Spotlight, it's Pat Steinberg and Jeff Snyder, along with you as well. And Snyder, you were talking off the air. You and Reese have never played on the same team in box lacrosse, but you guys were together a number of years ago at the Worlds, right?
1: We were. Um, you know, uh, Dutch and I played on the same squad that, um, you know, unfortunately we lost a, a tough one to the U.S. in Manchester. Um, but yeah. I, I suppose we haven't really talked about that, Reese. Like, what was your, uh, you know, Manchester, <laughs> England, um, you know, the the food is is awful. We were in the <laughs> University of Manchester dorm. <laughs> like, I never really, I, I don't know if I've really ever asked you, like, what your perspective I'd, of that whole I'd, sort of trip was. I know it was really, it was, you know, it was, um, there was the Chris Anderson, that was when Chris took off time out of yeah. chemotherapy to go and battle, um, uh, you know, to go and battle with us. And, and he was... Um, suffering from a a GBM brain tumor, tumor, which is uh, coincidentally the same Brain tumor that we lost score to. Um, Chris had a big, uh, you know, affliction to, to or uh, affinity to uh, uh, to uh, the tragically hip, which you know we've kind of carried on that culture. What was your what was your take on the kind of the the macro experience that we had wow. there? I know from a micro <laughs> perspective, it super sucked, but what did you what did you think on a global perspective of that I, whole thing?
2: Kind of, a, I mean, it's always, it's cool, right, to be wearing the Maple Leaf, and I think that I uh, you know, encounter lacrosse is such a big part of our sports culture. Um, I mean, you, people from outside Canada wouldn't really see it, but I think even you know the, the hockey community and finger quotes in Canada can understand and respect the lacrosse culture here. So, wearing the Maple Leaf was amazing. Um, yeah, the general experience. I mean, it was July. We were there for what three weeks. I think we saw the sunshine like twice, and, and I just you just kind of <laughs> spent your time indoors watching games, home or whatever you were doing. And it was more of a. It was almost like a like a college. Uh, like training camp with a few games mixed in and just kind of, you know, trying to get a good experience. But I mean, at the time I was, I was only a second year pro and, and a lot of the guys that were on that squad retired, you know, if it wasn't the next year, maybe a few years after that. So for me, it was a, it was an awesome learning experience and really just a time to kind of absorb and, and and, and learn and learn about leadership from a lot of the guys that were kind of, I don't want to say passing the torch because there's even, obviously there's some guys that are still playing, but you know, the Sean Williams of the world and those kind of guys and, and yourself and, and just the guys that you know brought a lot of leadership and a lot of positivity to that program. It was a great opportunity for me to sort of see that, kind of regardless of the, you know, the not so or not so awesome situation we were in while we were there. <laughs> uh, truly was that man? It was, uh, you
1: know, I, I know that they were looking at putting the uh, the worlds there. Um, you know, I think they I think they moved it from Manchester to another spot, which like you, you're so right. Like the I, I don't I do not recall when I think back in my head what that was like. I do not recall seeing the sun. I don't yeah, think right. it, yet. It, <laughs> it was not there. It was, and Manchester is a really cool city. Like it was, it was decimated during the Second World War, so it's like pretty modern yeah. and, and very cool. We didn't really get to take a lot of that in either. We were sequestered in a dorm room, and and um, <laughs> you know had a, had an awesome time. You know, certainly competing, but um, two, yeah, we never two really, per
3: room or four per room. Uh, it or, was, or oh per no, we dwelling.
1: had we, we had our own rooms. I think okay, I think had yeah, I own, had my own room. Yeah, which is uh, which is super rare, um, but. Uh, uh yeah it was uh it it was you know we we'd never really chatted about that i don't think we've ever had a conversation about it before which is sort of (laughs) you know how sour the taste is in your mouth when you (laughs) you go over there you don't see the sun you eat terrible food and then okay so why was the food
3: so terrible
1: i i don't know i don't want to offend anybody it's just england man i I think it's
3: (laughs) england
2: i'll tell you what well they were mass feeding people at a university that wasn't really open like it was just kind of a yeah, I don't know. Like uh, it was a, it was dorm food. It was just kind of like we were eating in a trough. <laughs> yeah, it was it was just sustenance at uh
1: at a mediocre <laughs> level. So, but I'll tell you what, we did go and and Dave Huntley who uh you know, we we lost as well um a couple of years back, who's a big architect of the Canadian program. He of course, Dave Dave was a, a very uh a, a man who at that point in time um you know, had a uh, a, a, a big time uh, love for a culinary experience of all kinds, and <laughs> we uh, we found this little hole-in-the-wall Indian place that I think we just like literally kept in business. Um, for, yeah. for the next couple decades, I think after. I did
2: the same with fish and chips joint there because that was all I heard about what's going over there. But <laughs> not really the best fuel for uh, <laughs> international competition.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you what we were running—we were running hot and burning out quick, based on what we were putting in <laughs> yeah. our bodies, yeah. which uh, a great way to may, have been, may have been a, a reason why we, we fell a little short. But yeah, man, I had to bring it up. I hadn't—I hadn't chatted about you, and I thought perfect to, to chat about it on here. <laughs> That's, cool. That's very cool. Yeah, there you
3: with uh, Reese Dutch of the Calgary Roughnecks. Well, as, as we wrap things up, Reese, I, I guess I, I do have to ask you. And, and we had you on the air, th- I think, two days after the fact. But now that you've had months to reflect on it, like, how often do you think about the overtime goal you scored in May? Like, is that still, <laughs> do you go to bed thinking about that? Yeah, is maybe that we
1: should ask that question. Should
3: we? Not? <laughs> do we, like? Do you do you brag about that when you're out of the bar? Like how like how does that how often does that come up? Well, I mean, I have
2: two children, so the bar is not really my. I don't get to okay. much or ever often. But uh, I, you know, it was kind of like my injury happened. Like you get home, and I'd say not even. It's probably two weeks after, so a lot of my a lot of my summers spent foot up, and uh, you know the highlight reel is probably played once or twice <laughs> a day for a while, <laughs> holding on to a dream. You know, found how to use it as kind of a motivator to get back out there. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, my four year old son was pretty pumped about it, and then obviously you know people as you run into them over the summer like to bring it up and chat about it again which is always a happy topic for me so you know it's not so much a front point at this now we're worried about this season but I mean it's certainly something I'm gonna hang my hat on and and be proud of forever really it's uh it was was a heck of a night
3: was that is it like you've been you've been playing for a while and you just talked about an opportunity to go play abroad at the world championships but is that is that the number one moment in your lacrosse career I I mean it's kind of
2: it's tough right we've I've won other championships and and stuff but I don't know like I think I said this actually in our last interview if I remember but it's like I don't think you can score a bigger goal, in the sport really I mean unless you're scoring a, an international one but even then there's not really, you know there's not eleven teams competing at the international level it's like two or three really if you yeah. look at the big picture so it's kind of a, yeah man I mean it was it's certainly the biggest moment like individual moment of my career, um, and and I you know probably the most excited I've ever been so. <laughs>
1: I got to tell you, guess, watching Iris, you know. I remember watching you put the ball in the back of the net. And, and uh, you know, as a guy who, you know, when, when you sit in the stands and you're done and you you, you reflect down on, uh, you know, on guys still playing, you have this, like, subtle competitive animosity where you're just like, <laughs> I love all these guys, but I also absolutely hate all of them, too, uh, just because they can do something that I'm no longer capable of doing. And I got to tell you, watching you celebrate that goal, like, was it was actually, you know, I – I'd like to think I uh, I I I shared in that in that moment with you in a sense. I was just super happy for you to see you put that in the net yeah, and, and thanks, just man. in Calgary and and just know how uh, you know coming to a new team and and uh, establishing yourself with a with a new organization after playing you know forever in. Uh, in the, you know, the Vancouver Everett organization and, and being able to do that, I was uh, super happy for you, man. And it was awesome to see that take place in Calgary and, and yeah. uh, you know, it, it warmed my, uh, my, my, my cold and, and, uh, and bitter heart just a, just a touch.
2: So it was, it was awesome to see man. You said a moment of joy amongst a lot of moments of hate, eh? Thank you so much for that. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> what
3: was, uh, what's, what's the biggest goal you've ever scored, Snides?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. Um, you know what, that's actually a good question. Um, Man, I don't think I've ever scored an OT winner. I've scored one OT winner. I scored it in hockey playing for the Canucks, but lacrosse, um, I, uh, I don't think I, I... I don't know, man. I don't really remember any, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm sure there was some all <laughs> right ones, but... Catch me off guard with a question like that, Pat. Oh, I, I didn't score <laughs> very many, man. I got to dig back into the archives before yeah. I answer a question like that. It's way
3: easier to ask. It's way easier to ask Reese that question: What's the biggest goal he's ever scored? Well, so. yeah, because he's yeah. scored massive goals. You've got a whole week to think about it. Come back to me next week with a, with an answer on that. Fine, I'll put a little. I'm gonna have, I'm
2: gonna have to, right. to tune in. I'm interested
3: to hear this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're few and far between, Reese. So don't worry about it. I've, uh, I've seen
2: a few of them though,
3: <laughs> in person. Good- Good stuff, Reese. That was awesome, man. Really appreciate the time this afternoon. Uh, good luck on Saturday against New York, and uh, thanks for hanging out with us today.
2: Hey, man! No, it was great to chat with both of you. It's awesome. Good luck thanks. this weekend, brother. Yeah, good luck. Thank you. Bye, guys.
3: Sri Dutch, Calgary Roughnecks Forward, joining us on the Roughnecks Spotlight today. See, that's good when you get guys that... Last week, you had a University of Denver fellow alum. Today, a guy that you could talk about the awful food in Manchester. It's funny because they had asked me to go over and do the play-by-play for that Worlds in 2010. I remember they were they were seeing if they could get me over, and they, they could fly. like, we can't pay you, but we can pay for your expenses. I was like, yeah, it would be a cool experience, and I was going to go, and then it fell through at uh, the last minute, so I wasn't able to go, and, and it didn't end up working out, but... Turns out that I didn't end up missing all that much. Time Timing point.
1: for you and us, man. It's all about relationships and timing. It just, didn't, it just didn't work at that point in time. And now we're here. But now look at where we are. Right? Well, <laughs> what's that Paul Red quote? Like, who would have thought? Not, not us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I just think it was meant to be, Jeff.
1: Right? I'm telling you about it, man. It's all good. We're here. We're what? giving the people what they want about time.
3: I agree. Uh, what's happening at Elevate Lacrosse? Uh,
1: man, again, uh, we're getting into winter training. The lacrosse season's coming up, so if you haven't registered, if people are interested in registering, registration for the uh, for the Calgary area is open right now in all of your respective clubs. Um, we do have a spot on our website at elevatelacrosse.com under our community page if you want to go check out what part of the city you live in. We've got a bit of an interactive map to find out if you are interested. We've got a scoop program coming up. We've got camp coming up to get fine-tuned for spring break. Um, and I would, if people haven't dug into the sport um and and played it's a fantastic cross training tool for hockey um you know obviously some of the best players in the world um you know got john tavares there you go there's one who played lacrosse um and uh you know the the registrations were open right now for the for the minor lacrosse associations throughout the city and i would urge anybody who's interested in giving it a go to one um Give it a try. Uh, let us know. Give us a call at Elevate Lacrosse if we can help point you in any direction, um, get you tied into um, any equipment, string a stick for you, whatever we can do to to help get you into the game and, and get you playing. We're happy to do. And um, you know, please reach out with any questions that are associated. And then go check out your association and and uh, and get involved and and um, you know, hopefully fall in love with fall in love with the sport the you know the way that uh, that we did here in Calgary.
3: The website elevatelacrosse.com. He's Jeff Snyder from Elevate. He's always with us on the Calgary Roughneck Spotlight. That was awesome. Thank you, pal. Talk to you next week.
1: Love it, man. Happy to be here. Thanks for having
3: me. This is Bender and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Time to turn up the heat. These are three
0: burning questions on The Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
3: All right, Kleiner, what do we got?
4: All right, question number one. Pretty simple one. After the Flames loss against San Jose last night, all things considered, is that the worst Flames loss of the season?
3: Well, yes, knowing that they have lost the captain for some period of time, I think that's safe to say, so you lose your most important defenseman for uh, an indefinite period of time as of right now, a game, 10 games, 20 games, we don't know, but... I don't think he's playing tomorrow, and so you lose your captain, and you lose to a team that you were 12 points ahead of in the Western Conference standings. Yeah, and and you were really listless and nowhere to be found in the final 35 minutes. Yeah, that to me would be the worst loss of the season. Yeah, I, I don't think all things any
4: way of... encompassed. Right. Yes. That's yeah. Excellent way of putting it. You're one for one so far. I don't even have anything Woo! to add. That's how good that was. Uh, Question number two. Depending on the severity of the injury to Geo, would a lack of Mark Giordano on that Flames blue line alter your opinion either way on potentially moving Brody or Hamannick around the deadline?
3: Yes, it would, especially, okay, so let's let's say that this team ends up finding out that this is a, a very long-term serious injury for Giordano, and this is a very speculative answer because we don't know right. the results yet, but for the sake of this answer, let's say that is the, the news, and things go accordingly, and this team kind of scuffles their way over the next three weeks, and you know, there are a few points out of the playoffs or something like that come the deadline, yeah, I I, I would absolutely entertain trading one of those guys at the deadline if you could get assets back that could help you for next season and beyond. So if you could trade one of those guys and get a younger forward back or get draft picks that are siz- uh, sizable backers like do something that helps you down the road doesn't mean that you're doesn't mean that you're going into a full rebuild it means that you're evaluating where things are this season making pertinent moves that are going to help you in the future and you can regroup for next year. Not unlike what I think San Jose is probably going to do at the deadline. Not unlike what Nashville might be doing at the deadline. Not unlike what we saw a couple of years ago when St. Louis did that at the deadline. That's kind of the way that I would approach it if you're the Flames. Yeah, sell off a piece or two that you can that is not necessarily going to be part of the long-term plan help yourself a little bit for the future and not necessarily take away from what you were going to do next year anyway it's it's more it would be more about punting on this season as opposed to punting on your plan and that's okay with me i think if it would still be a failure if this team misses the playoffs but at least you make some smart moves on the way to doing so. But again, all speculative because we don't know what Mark Giordano's status is right now. And question number three, uh, while the Flames
4: were losing to San Jose last night, The Boston Red Sox were losing the faith of their fan base, uh, trading Mookie Betts and David Price in a three-team deal, both of those players going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Is this, A, a smart move, trading away a player who's going to be incredibly expensive for uh, a couple younger prospects, or is it incredibly cheap to include one of the top three players in baseball in a trade that helps you get under the, the, uh, the luxury tax?
3: It's just it's it's weird that the Red Sox are doing this, right? You know what I'm saying? Like if it's this the Blue were Jays move, this is Tampa yeah, Bay. Yeah, exactly. This is this is this is the Baltimore Orioles doing. Like this isn't the this isn't the Red Sox. It's the Red Sox. The Dodgers and the Yankees—they the, don't care about the luxury tax. I—I I, I don't understand what's going on. Like, at what point was there this mass philosophical shift in Boston where, oh, you know what? We don't outspend everyone. We don't go down the road of of paying top dollar and then some and not worrying about the luxury tax. Now we're going to make sure we're under the luxury tax. It's—it's it's a very—it's a very jolting change in philosophy. I I'm very I'm very baffled as to what's going on right now. I I really am. So yeah, I uh I would say it's incredibly cheap for a team that has built a reputation of being in the same conversation with like am I missing any maybe the Angels are in that conversation at different times too when they haven't worried about spending in the luxury tax. Am I missing any other team that has just been like luxury tax to hell with that. We'll we'll go over that and we'll pay the penalties. Like the Red Sox have been that team for the last 15 years. Yeah, and it's worked for them. Uh so it's yeah, it's it's pretty. It's not like they haven't won titles, right? They've won World Series. I, I, Two years ago, I don't ago. understand what's going on. And now you're saying, you know what, Mookie, we can't do it. All of a sudden, we decided not to spend money anymore. So uh, enjoy your time with the Dodgers, who are more than willing to go over the luxury tax. Uh, this one, uh, a
0: quick.
4: I, I know we have to go, but uh, a quick little blurb yeah, was have tweeted to go out yesterday. Anywhere. Uh, The Red Sox warned fans that it would probably cost them a bit more to go to see the team at Fenway Park in 2020. They fulfilled on that promise, announcing that most ticket prices are increasing by an average of 1.7%. So this was earlier in the offseason. And now, so congratulations, you get to pay more to see a worse team. Uh, I, I wonder if this has something to do with a lot of fines could be coming their way after they were caught cheating for the 2018 World Series. But it's, it's a weird world we're living in when the Boston Red Sox are trying to get un, under luxury taxes that they've
3: laughed at for so long. <laughs> Bizarre. That'll do it for this hour of, the Stein, of, uh, of Pinder and Steinberg, rather. Uh, I do need to do this before we go to break, though. You heard Reese Dutch on with Jeff Snyder and I earlier. I have got four different... Pairs of tickets for the Roughnecks and the New York Riptide on Saturday. Want to go see the Roughnecks and Riptide on Saturday? 7.30 at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Have some fun. Have a couple of beers. Enjoy the Roughnecks. Look for their first home win of the season. Come for the party. Stay for the game. Trivia question time. Four winners. I need to know, where did Jeff and Reese play at the World Lacrosse Championships in 2010. Where were they on the same team for Team Canada at the World Lacrosse Championships? If you are listening last segment, you know the answer. 960-960, need your first and last name on the text line. First four with the right answer, winning a pair of tickets for the Roughnecks and Riptide on Saturday. Pinder joins the program around the corner, breaking down a disastrous night for the Calgary Flames and what it means going forward. Pinder and Steinberg rolls on next. Sportsnet 960, the fan.